Remain standing, if you would, please, as we open the Bible to the book of... We've noted several things. We've noted the deity of Christ. We've noted the humanity of Christ. The writer makes it only the deity and the humanity, but he also goes into detail about the work of Christ. And so as we look at the different things that are taking place in here, the writer begins to make his case in chapter 3 for his superiority, uh, the superiority of Jesus uh, in, a, in another manner. We'll look at this more as the weeks progress, how he is superior in, in, uh, to, to Moses. But today he makes a striking statement, and I want you to read with me if you would, verse number 1, read along as I read aloud. Verse number 1 of Hebrews chapter number 3. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. Be seated. You know, I, I realize that a lot of times when uh, Easter rolls around or Christmas rolls around, what we are typically um, accustomed to is to be taken to a specific portion of Scripture. But as we made our way through the book of Hebrews, I love the way the Lord's uh, uh, timing meets better than our timing. We landed here on verse number 1 of chapter number 3. And you're going to notice several things in this, but uh, the question that I kind of wanted to begin with this morning is simply this. Why should someone consider Christianity? Why should someone consider Christianity? Now, let's be real for just a moment. The call of Christ to follow him is a life-altering call. And I want you to really kind of focus in and think about this for just a minute. The call of Christ to follow him will change your life. Will. Will. It's a guarantee. It's not something that might happen. You know, if you come to Christ, things might be different. If you come to Christ, you might change some things in your life. If you come to Christ, your schedule might be disrupted a little bit. No, that's, that's not the case. It's a, it's a guarantee uh, of what's, what's taking place when we meet the person of Jesus Christ. We have talked about this in time past, about repentance, and repentance being a, a military term where one is going a certain direction and there would be a command to repent, which would be to turn about face and go in the opposite direction. And so whatever happens in a person's life, uh, if they are truly born again by the Spirit of God, repentance has taken place to the point where they have quit walking the direction they were going before and starting to walk a completely different direction. And this is life changing. So let's be real for just a moment. Why would someone consider Christianity? I mean, think about it for just a moment. And just let your mind sink in for a little bit. 
You know, we, we sometimes think about uh, Christianity, well, it's about going to church, or it's about, uh, it's about doing good things for other people, it's about good works or good deeds. No, 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 no. Let's stop for just a moment and recognize what Christianity really means. Historically speaking, the name Christian was actually originally an insult. Because what took place was you had people that were preaching and trying to live a life and they were saying, look, these are little Christs. Christian just literally means Christ-like. And they were saying these people are mimicking that Christ guy. And originally it was kind of an insult. But over time it started to stick. And so the call to being a Christian is a call to being like Christ. This is not the same thing as joining a country club. It's not the same thing as taking up a hobby. You know, we, we sometimes think to ourselves that uh, we're just picking up or adding another skill set or adding another uh, point to our resume. And, you know, uh, as we're filling out our resume, it's almost as if we're, uh, well, which one are you going to check? You got to check one, right? You're going to check, check this, that, that. And so this is not what we're talking about. The call to Christianity is about making a life-altering decision. And, and it's time for us to really take that seriously. I want you to notice several things. We're going to look at three specific things. We're going to look at the called, we're going to look at the calling, and then we're going to look at the cause. And I've been challenged to work on my alliteration, so there it is. I just put it right out there, one fell swoop, now you've got it. The call... The called, the calling, and the cause. Let's look at the called first. Notice there in verse number 3, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. He's speaking, he says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Now, don't forget that when he's speaking here in Hebrews, he's writing a letter uh, to Hebrew believers, to the Jewish believers of that day. And he warns them about several different things that, are, uh, uh, that they may be tempted. There's a danger of, de uh, of defecting. There's a danger of going back to the different things of the law. And here in chapter 3, he starts to talk about how Jesus is better than Moses. If you were to continue reading down through chapter 3, you would notice this, where Jesus, is, the writer of Hebrews, is mentioning Jesus as better than Moses. And so what we need to understand is there is a, uh, a differentiation being made in this uh, verse number 1. You see, every single person, every single person comes to a fork in the road at some point in time. Now that fork in the road is basically this. You are going to come face to face with choosing to follow Jesus or choosing to follow yourself. That's the fork in the road that is, is given. This is where things must be uh, focused in on. We must be, be realistic about this. We've got to take this seriously. But here he's talking specifically... Uh, to holy brothers, those who have been called and accepted the call. The statement here is to the believing persons calling them holy, which evidently refers back to chapter number 2, verse 11. Notice what it says in chapter 2, verse 11. For both he that sanctifieth 
and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare uh, thy name unto my brethren. And so he, he's referring to them here as holy brothers. So this is apparently going back to that idea that is seen in chapter 2, verse 11, and into chapter number 12. Because of the work of the sanctifier, Jesus Christ, we who have responded to Christ's call to follow him have been made separate. We have been set apart. The idea is that we have been, uh, in verse number 11, those who uh, are sanctified, the idea is that you have been set apart for a specific use. The actual, uh, the Greek word basically means to set apart from common condition and use and to be dedicated to something else. Now, if, if this is the case, then we must understand that the person who, uh, who at one point was going their own way, they repented, they turned from their, their self, and they started to follow after Christ. This individual has been set apart no longer for the works of their own desires, their own fleshly needs, their own selfish wants, their own indulgences, but they have been set apart for a specific purpose, and they are now dedicated to fulfill that purpose. As we understand this, we need to also realize the ones referred to here are partakers. Notice what it says there in verse number 1. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. If you were to keep your hand in the book of Hebrews and go back to the book of John... Fourth gospel, so if you have a Bible with red letters, start looking at the red letters in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter number 7. Notice what it says in John chapter number 7 in, in reference to those who were called and those who took the call, accepted the call, and followed up and followed through. I want you to notice what's taking place here in John chapter 7. Look at verse 37 with me, if you would. John chapter 7, verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come after me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost has, was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Hath not, scripture say, have not, hath not Scripture said that Christ cometh of the seed of David and out of the town of Bethlehem where David was? So there was a division among the people because of him. And some of them would have taken him, but no man laid hands on him. I want you to notice several responses to this. Jesus made a reference here. He said, if any man thirsts, let him come after me. He, all through the book of John, he is pointing back to what took place 
during the time of the Exodus. He refers to himself as the bread of life. Manna from heaven was referred to as the bread of life. He refers to himself as the, uh, 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 the living water. And we all know about the story of the water when, the, when Moses was in the wilderness and he struck the rock and water came forth. He's referred to as the light of the world. During the Exodus time, God came down and he guided the people by night through a pillar of fire. This lit their way. And so everything that we see through this, all the different uh, things that Jesus claims to be, he's looking back at the Exodus saying, hey, you remember that? That's me. Ties in beautifully with what the book of Hebrews is talking about. But I want you to notice the call of Jesus when he said in verse 37, if any man thirst, let him come after me and let him, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But I want you to notice the response. Verse number 40, it says, Many of the people, therefore, when they heard this saying, said, Of a truth, this is the prophet. A lot of them liked his teaching. I mean, you can even look into uh, the life of Pilate. Notice Pilate, he, he liked Jesus, but he didn't follow Jesus. He wanted to let Jesus go, but he acquiesced to the people instead. A lot of people, they look and they say, oh, this, this guy has a lot of good teaching. Keep going down there. Others, in verse number 41, others said, this is the Christ. Well, this one must be the Messiah. This one must be the one that God promised was going to come. Others didn't believe at all. See the end of verse number 41 says, But some said, Shall Christ come out of Galilee? Now we need to understand that everybody that you meet, as well as yourself, falls into one of these categories. Either one, you're not going to believe him, and it, it, it really doesn't matter who he may claim to be. I, there's always an excuse. There's always a reason not to believe. You're always going to try to find that. No matter how much evidence is, is piled up uh, to support the fact of the claims of God. No matter how much is there, you're always going to be looking for something. Some will say, wow, he's got good teaching. And I like to go every once in a while to just kind of get myself nudged back into the straight and narrow. And when problems come and, and life gets difficult, you know, I'll, 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 I'll pray then. And, and, and I'll pick up the Bible when I need to. But I mean, he's just a good prophet, right? I and mean, there's a lot of good teaching out there. I mean, Tony Robbins, you know. You got... Uh, you, you got What's his name? The financial guru, David something or another. Ramsey, yeah, that's it. Yeah, well, there, there's all kinds of people I can listen to. But then some, they recognize him for who he is. And they follow him. The question you need to ask is, which one are you? Which one are you? Because I, I'm here to let you know with all the love that I can muster. Today, you too are at a fork in the road. And the question is, which way are you going to turn? Now before anybody tunes me out, understand that this is for the unbeliever as well as the believer. Each one of us 
are going to face a fork in the road this morning. I want you to notice a couple other things here. Number one, the call that has gone out from heaven, but sadly, few truly respond. You see, each person must examine their heart. Are you one of the ones who has responded? Are you a partaker? Would you be considered one of the holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling? Would you be considered that? And I'm not asking, did you add Jesus to your life? I'm not asking, have you made Jesus part of your life? I don't care how big that part is. What I'm asking is, have you elected to follow him? That's the question that each person needs to answer this morning. Well, I'll put that off. You have just answered the question. I'll take care of that later. You have just answered the question. I really don't need to pay too close attention to that. You've just answered the question. In the fork in the road, are you going to choose to follow Christ or are you going to choose to follow yourself? Any, cha- any answer that is not following Christ is an answer to follow self. I, got, I, I have plenty of time to do that down the road, Pastor. Maybe. Maybe not. I want you to notice the calling in this, that just in recognizing who has called you, uh, based on what we have seen so far, there he is calling us to this holy set-apart life. Back in the book of Hebrews. Back in the book of Hebrews now. That very first word, wherefore. Anytime you see the words wherefore, for, because this, therefore, any of those things, you need to remind yourself of what took place prior to that word. And so wherefore, in verse number 1 of chapter 3, is in reference to everything that we have seen in chapter 1 and chapter 2 leading up to this moment. We have noticed that Jesus is God, divinely God. But not only does he have the divine nature, but we notice that Jesus became, he stepped in to eternity, became man. And so he has that divine nature and he has that humanity side of him. But then we've also noticed the work of Jesus Christ in redeeming man, paying their sin debt, and sanctifying. We've noticed this as we've made our way through. It it made reference to him as the creator, the very image of God, the sustainer, the one who purged, the one that is seated on the throne of God. Need I remind you that this very day, a man sits on the throne of God because God became man. Pioneer of our salvation. The one who frees us from Satan's accusations and unites us with God. Look back at chapter number 2, verses 14 and 15. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Just in recognizing this, we need to see something. This Savior who is God, yet gives to us an example of the perfect man, calls us to follow, and he understands every weakness that we have. The question is, have you seen this Jesus? 
Now, I'm going to ask everybody to do something for me for just a moment. I want you to, to just focus in on the Jesus that you have in your mind. Just focus in on that for a moment. And the question is, have you truly seen Jesus? Because there are several different things. Number one, many have inaccurately judged Jesus because they base him off of what they have seen from other people. Have you seen a bad or an improper representation of Jesus and judged him this way? Well, Jesus must be, you know, he, he must limit uh, how, much, how many people he loves. He must limit, that's, that's a bad representation of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're like so many who have placed charges against him. Maybe you have... You've gotten upset. Well, if Jesus is this loving God, why in the world would he fill in the blank? Ignoring everything that he has done for us. It's, it's, it's reminiscent, you know, you give, you, you give your kids gift after gift after gift. You put yourself in debt making sure that they have a great Christmas or a great birthday. We don't, I, but I've heard some of the... Oh, how much money did you spend on the kids' Christmas this year? My goodness, I could have bought a new car with that much. But we, you know, what do they do? They go right to the box, right? And bring home a big box. Abby's grabbing the crayons and the markers, and it's like, well, I could have saved a lot of money if I'd just given you a box. But kids are always, well, it's the wrong color. I already have that Barbie. I've already got that set of Hot Wheels. I've got, already got that game. I've already got that toy. I've already got that... Why didn't you get me this instead? You know, there's a lot of people today, like ungrateful brat children, looking at God saying, why didn't you do this? And he's like, all this I did for you. Are you like so many who have inaccurately judged him, have placed charges against him? Many have ignored him. Many just... If I can just pretend that he's not there. I'll just pretend like he's not even around and hopefully it'll go away. I'm just going to bury my head in the sand for a little bit. Maybe it'll stop. These are your forks in the road. Maybe you, like so many, feels that he asks too much. Wow. <laughs> If I follow Christ, then I'm going to have to do this, or I'm going to have to give this up, or I'm going to have to... Are you one of those? But some, some have responded, and they have chosen to follow Him. Some have actually responded. Is that you this morning? I want you to notice just a couple more things as we come to... Ahead here. Notice what it says there in verse number three. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. There's a word right in the middle of that verse that every single person needs to pay attention to. It's the word consider. You see that? Consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. This word, consider, kataneiste, 
is a second person, you, plural, you all, imperative, not a suggestion. Do it. This is what the writer of Hebrews is saying. Anyone who reads this, that's you. Consider Jesus. This is, the, this is the statement that is being made. In other words, quit considering Christianity. Quit considering uh, uh, people that follow Christ. Quit considering uh, a lifestyle. Quit considering adding. Quit considering trying to be a better person. Quit considering this, that, or the other. No, consider Jesus Quit considering what's going to make you happy. Quit considering what's going to make you wealthy. Quit considering what's going to fix your problems. Consider Jesus. That's what he's saying. He says, wherefore, based on all of that we've looked at so far, Jesus is God. He robed himself in flesh. He became a human so that you could know him. He is now the apostle, the high priest. Only the person of Jesus Christ fits that bill. Only. Notice what is being said here. That he is the apostle. This simply means sent one. Don't read too much more into this than what is actually there. It's the messenger. Jesus was sent. Just as Jesus sent the apostles, God the Father sent his son. It's not too difficult. God sent his son to man. As the apostle, Jesus is coming to us on behalf of God with a message. And that message is simply this. For God so loved you. But not only is he the messenger from God to man, but he is also the high priest from man. To God. Catch what is being said here in verse number one. Consider the apostle and high priest. The high priest was the one that took the offering or the petition or the sacrifice to God on behalf of you and me. This is what the high priest's job was all about. And so when we see here that Jesus is the apostle and high priest, we need to recognize that he occupies both offices. He is the one that mediates from God to man, and he is the one that mediates from man to God. We don't need any in, in between. We don't need this stuff. And people go their whole lives, they carry this, uh, this, uh, this medal or that medal, this uh, saint, and they talk about that saint, and they talk to this person and that person, when you can go straight to God through Jesus Christ. He's the high priest, the one that we go to. I don't need to go to anyone else to, to find God. I can go straight to him. Because he came straight to me. It says there that he is the high priest. I want you to, to notice something. Look with me, if you would, at the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter number 12. Revelation chapter number 12. Look at verse 10. 
And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. I want you to know something. From from the time that we can go back to until this moment that we just read about, Satan is accusing God's followers. Guaranteed. When I fail, when I allow my temper to get the best of me, when I do something that is just unsavory, when I say things that I ought not to say, when I speak untruth, when I do these things, you know what? Satan is talking to God saying, how in the world can you love that? And my entire Christian walk, I've got this accuser all day and night accusing me. I can't, can you even imagine that? While I'm asleep, I've got Satan and his minions pointing out all my flaws. I got a lot. But Jesus, our high priest, advocates. And the whole time Satan is accusing, Jesus is going, Yeah, but I paid for that. Yeah, but I paid for that one too. Uh, paid for that. Paid for that. Paid for that. Paid for that. <laughs> Satan wants to make us look bad. But look here, brother. You can't look bad hiding behind the blood of Jesus. I want you to notice something here and we're going to close. The decision to follow Jesus is not optional. It's a consideration that we must make. All of us must make. We claim to follow Him. Notice what it says again in Hebrews chapter 3. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. This is what we profess to believe is what he's saying. In other words, those of us who walk around this world claiming to follow Him. Claiming to be one of His. Can we just stop for a minute and consider Jesus? I can remember having a bumper sticker on the back of my car. And I came face to face with the reality I was a driving hypocrite. 
as I was pulling out of a place I shouldn't have been, purchasing things I shouldn't have been purchasing, going home to have a party I shouldn't have been having with a bumper sticker on the back of my car professing what I wasn't living. If we claim Him, let me give you four things that we need to, we need to do. Because notice today that Jesus is the only one who can both represent God and man. As a result of that, because of who He is, because of what He has done, get to know Him. Never being complacent, but always trying to learn more. Always trying to learn more. Love Him. Listen, my love for Him is only limited by how much I know Him. Because the more I know Him, the more I study of Him, the more I read of Him, the more I love Him. Serve Him. In other words, examine His desire for you and for your life and let that dominate. Become like Him. See, our sanctification, we read about that in chapter 2 there, our sanctification, becoming more like Him, is dependent on our focus. You ever had someone say, well, I'm not like you. (laughs) Well, I, I can't do what you do. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Well, this is this. I guess I'm just not as spiritual as other people are. How much time have you spent in this book? How much time have you spent digesting His Word? Proving Him. Proving His promises. Becoming more like Him is dependent on our focus. Are you looking at being better than others? Are you looking at being a better version of yourself? Are you trying to just be happy? Or are you looking to become more like Jesus? I can remember a marital counseling session I I had one time and and I asked the man that was sitting across from me, I said, what are you wanting to do? He says, I want to be a better husband. I said, how is that going for you? He said, I'm failing. And I said, I wonder what would happen if you just tried to be more like Jesus. Quit trying to be a better husband. Just try to be more like Jesus. I asked the wife, I said, what, what is your goal? Well, I want him to be a better husband. <laughs> so I just want to be a better wife. And how's that working out? It's not. Why don't you try to be like Jesus? Can I ask you this, ladies? What better husband could you have than Jesus? Who could love you more? 
Who could care for you better? Who could shoulder your problems better than him? I'm here to tell you that Prince Charming sitting next to you. You can want him to be a better him. Or you can hit your knees and pray that he becomes more like Christ. Guys, same is in reverse. You want her to be better? Or do you want her to be more like Christ? Hit your knees. Pray for it. Ladies, you want to be a better wife? No. <laughs> yeah. Become more like Christ. Guys, you want to be a better husband? Become more like Christ. Let's close this way. I want to just ask you if you have considered the following. To those who are saved, to those who claim to be born again by the Spirit of God, have you become comfortable? I challenge you to pursue Him. Make a renewed commitment to studying His Word. To the one who has backslidden, they believe they're born again by the Spirit of God, but they're not where they once were. I want to challenge you to find your focus. Where is your focus? Have you considered Jesus? Or is your focus on your faults? Is your focus on the faults of someone else that you know? Are you still mad at God because of something one of His imperfect followers did? Quit judging. And quit judging His forgiveness based on you and other people. to the unsaved. Consider Jesus. Consider Him. Is He the one that He claimed to be or not? If He is, then we must follow Him. Must follow Him. Listen, everyone is at a fork in the road. follow Jesus and become more like Him or to go my own way? If you're born again by the Spirit of God, He is calling you to walk humbly after Him. Are you? Or are you still just making Him part of your life? If you are unsaved, He is calling you to follow And you're going to make a decision here in just a moment. And the decision is going to be one or the other. Nah, I can put it off. That's a decision for your own timing. I don't really have to pay attention to this right now. That's a decision for what you want to do. Well, I'll do it later because this week I've got something important I want to get done. And then I'll give that stuff up. You have chosen yourself. There's no third option. 
Choose Him. Or continue doing it your way and see how that goes. Father, we come before you, Lord, because of who you are. You're the one that set aside glory. You understand our weakness. You lived for us. You died for us. And now you advocate before the throne of God for us. Father in heaven, help us to remember Jesus and what he did and help us to be serious and diligent in considering him. Father, that we would would put our focus and our attention on who he is. That we would observe, contemplate with an effort to understand, have regard to him. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would Stir in the midst that the Holy Spirit would move amongst us. Calling men and women to a renewed commitment. Calling men and women to start their relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. Father, help us as we make our way through this, through this road, through this world. To always look at everything through the lens of Jesus. I pray that you would use this time for your honor and your glory. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.